You are listening to the podcast of Calvary Church in Irwin, Pennsylvania. For more information, you can visit us online at calvaryirwin.com. Hey, good morning. Hope you all had a uh, good Thanksgiving. I know I did. Uh, I don't know if anybody got any good Black Friday deals. Oh, it's kind of like Black November now. It's just like all month long. Who, who likes to still go out like with the people and the craziness in, in person to get the deals? Do you guys like that? Yeah, I, not me. I'm, I'm happy to stay home in my pajamas and just like order it online. I, introverts are finally like, yes, we can just sit at home and get the deals. It's great. Um, anyhow, uh, my name is Pastor Jason. Uh, I'm the worship and arts pastor here at Calvary. Um, uh, thanks. <laughs> Uh, it's my team. Uh, so usually I'm either here with the band or up with the production team. Uh, but uh, it's definitely probably where I'm more comfortable with a guitar in my hand. Um, but uh, this morning I have opportunity to, uh, to share that I'm thankful for. Also was thankful this morning to just be able to sit with you guys and sing with you. You guys all sound great. And, uh, you know, I don't get to, to just be with you guys and enjoy hearing that. And it was encouraging to me. You know, in that song where we're just, you know, lifting up God with you. It's a picture of heaven, you know, really. So thankful to, uh, to be able to do that today. But uh, today I want to continue in our series that we've had going on this month called Crushed. Um, in the first, uh, first week we talked about being crushed by our mistakes. Second week we talked about being crushed by the unexpected. Last week we talked about being crushed by others' words. Um, and you know, at some point in life I think everyone faces a crushing time, crushing pressure. You know, whatever the specifics are, if you grow old enough, you're gonna have a season in life when you face times that are, that you have crushing circumstances. It might be losing a loved one and going through grieving, it might be health challenges, financial challenges, relational hurt. You know, it's those times that are not just the normal troubles of life, but to where it really adds up and we feel like we're being, being crushed and as we finish this uh, message series with this theme, I want to talk about God's goodness, which is so present and near when we are crushed by life. In fact, the title of the message today is a word picture. It's uh, crushed by God's goodness. And this is obviously not to say that God's goodness is what crushes us, but that even when we feel crushing pressure, God's goodness is still in between. We feel the pressure, but God's goodness is still in between right there of what crushing us in life. And, uh, you know, this picture is not just dismissing the crushing realities that sometimes we can face. I'm not talking about a quick answer, um, which we can so often hear, which just combines faith and positivity together. Because while optimism and positivity may help us through the smaller troubles of life, they don't hold up against the truly hard, challenging, and crushing times. Isn't it so great that the worship pastor gets to speak on crushing and suffering the week after Thanksgiving? I'm supposed to, it's like you're the worship pastor, you're supposed to be talking about gratefulness and Thanksgiving today, right? Uh, well, I think God has something really deep to share, um, and, uh, and I was uh, glad to be invited to do this message, um, partly because of, of, of just what, how it's meaningful to me, which I'm going to share, but I want to start first with a story that I heard Recently, that as I was preparing for this message, just kind of clicked and was like, oh, that, that really uh, is, helps with the concept that we're talking about today. 
Um, story about a man named Admiral James Stockdale. Um, he was a survivor of uh, a prisoner of war camp in Vietnam, of the famous Hanoi Hilton. Um, and uh, he speaks about you know, how he got through that and how he survived. And it, in an article I found, it explains it. It says, his plane was shot down as he led a raid into North Vietnam. And even as he was ejected and parachuted into enemy territory, Stockdale told himself that he would be there for at least five years. In fact, Stockdale's imprisonment lasted over seven years, during which he was repeatedly tortured, denied medical attention, he was kept in solitary confinement, and even cut his own face to avoid being part of a parade for propaganda purposes. He was the highest ranking officer in the infamous Hanoi Hilton prisoner of war camp, and he saw countless others die and give up. And in an interview, Stockdale was asked what sort of people didn't make it out of the camp. And Stockdale's response was clear, oh, that's easy, the optimists. He said, they were the ones who said, we're going to be out by Christmas, and Christmas would come, and Christmas would go. And then they'd say, we're going to be out by Easter, and Easter would come, and Easter would go, and then Thanksgiving, and then it would be Christmas again, and then they died of a broken heart. So what kept Sockdale and the people that survived, what kept them going? Sockdale described his approach in the same interview, he said, I never lost faith in the end of the story. I never doubted not only that I would get out, but also that I would prevail in the end and turn the experience into the, the defining event of my life, which in retrospect, I wouldn't trade. He said, he said, this is a very important lesson. You must never confuse faith that you will prevail in the end, which you can't afford to lose, with the discipline to confront the most brutal facts of your current reality whatever they might be. And this has become known as the, the principle is become known as the Stockdale paradox, which is to confront the brutal reality of today and retain unwavering faith that you will prevail in the end. When we, when we face truly hard times, I think this is something that many of us have to learn throughout life. Some of us learn it a little sooner than others. It depends on, you know, just what, what life looks like, what we face in life. Um, but I think at some point we all learn something like this. Um, and the reason why uh, this message kind of resonated with me um, when Pastor Nick asked me to, if I wanted to speak on this, it resonated with me because I think I had to learn some of this a little earlier in life. Um, and uh, I just wanted to share a little bit about that today. Because um, one of the crushing times for me in life was when I was younger. Uh, when I was in late high school, uh, kind of junior, senior year, um, I started getting these major headaches. I started getting these major headache attacks. Um, and uh, at first they were just like certain instances where it was almost like a, a migraine. We thought they were migraines, you know, it was what we kind of called them because it was like a migraine. Um, you know, and there were times when I'd wake up at night, it'd be so bad, uh, you know, we didn't know what to do but to go to the ER. Um, and uh, started seeing doctors about this, and then over time, it really just became like a chronic thing. Like, I was just in pain, had some type of headache pain all the time, and then I would get major attacks of headache pain. And uh, it was something that really slowed me down in my youth. You know, at the time I was 17, 18 years old, um, I had only started losing my hair. Uh, I still had some of it. I started losing my hair before I was out of high school. 
yay. Um, and, uh, <laughs> but I had a beard, so if I was like the partying guy, I could have bought like the alcohol, but I, I wasn't. Um, I looked like I was really old. But anyhow, um, <laughs> uh, I still had most of my hair. It was in my youth, but I'm getting hit with these, these headaches and, and migraines. And uh, when I graduated high school, I couldn't go off to college full time because I was still dealing with this um, pain every day, but then also, um, you know, just I didn't know when I was going to get some severe, you know, headache, uh, pain, and attack. And we saw different doctors and neurologists and, and specialists. We were seeing, I, I went and saw uh, allergy specialists because I have, you know, allergy issues, I had sinus issues, had sinus surgery. Um, which uh, helped a little bit with my sinus issues, but really didn't do anything for the headaches. Um, I saw neurologists that, you know, tried a bunch of different things. Uh, one of the weirdest procedures um, that I had was w called an occipital nerve block, which was uh, three times I got um, Novocaine shot directly into my occipital nerve uh, on both sides on the back of my neck. I'll spare you, the, like, the story of exactly how that happened, but um, it was a little weird. Uh, imagine, you know how when you go to the dentist and you get Novocaine and then, you know, the side of your face is like kind of numb. Uh, I remember doing that and uh, you would have to, it would make you really tired. And so they said, you go home, lay down and go to sleep. And so the whole from like here, the whole way back to my neck was just completely numb. You know, like you have Novocaine in the dentist. And I remember going back and putting my head on the pillow and I felt like my, I was still falling and not there yet. It was really weird. Um, it was supposed to be a procedure that might help it and might diagnose it. Um, helped maybe a little bit, but, but not that much. I was on a lot of different meds. Eventually, I was able to get to what was supposed to be the best, best specialist in Pittsburgh at UPMC, like the headache specialist that took, I don't know, months and months to even just get in once. Um, there, it was mostly just different medications that, that, that they tried. And during this period... Um, I, I really just ended up in a season of depression and anxiety um, really attacking me. I mean, I was kind of stuck at home while all my friends are going off to college. You know, I'm talking to my friends, we're seeing them. They're getting to leave, go off to college, and I'm stuck at home. I was only going to school like part-time um, and still having these, these health issues. I was having a lot of sleep issues as well and started having anxiety attacks. Um, and uh, part of the, unfortunately, part of the medications that I was on at the time, the side effects ended up being worse than even some of what I was going through. And, uh, you know, I ended up going through some uh, series of anxiety attacks. It was a really dark time. Um, and eventually, I had some improvement and some answers. Um, I was a bit of a medical enigma. <laughs> they couldn't get really any one answer at the end of it. Um, uh, the answers of improvement came from like really intense long-term chiropractic care. I just have a really messed up neck, um, you know, and I have just, just kind of pain in my neck all the time. I describe it as on a good day, it feels like there's a butter knife in my neck, and then on a bad day, there's like a hibachi neck uh, knife going through, and I just kind of keep it maintained through chiropractic care, through, through um, you know, at-home therapy, stuff like that. We don't know exactly why that happened. We, we could never figure it out. Like, was there some injury that happened at some point? Was there a moment that this, like, happened and we could never figure it out? Um, answers also came through counseling and through treating my anxiety and my emotional issues, you know. I ended up having anxiety attacks and, 
and was finally willing to, I knew I needed to, but I was finally willing to humble myself and see a counselor and see a Christian counselor. And it, it was through that that um, I, my physical symptoms also improved. It turns out I've learned that, uh, you know, um, anxiety has been a struggle for me ever since. And people that struggle with anxiety long term tend to have physical symptoms first that doctors can't figure out. And then they, they end up finding out anxiety is a part of that. So I had prayed, obviously, for, uh, for improvement. I had prayed a whole lot, believed for prayer. In fact, I kind of was at the point where, in that point in life, I was like, okay, God, I'm not going forward with my life until you fix this. I want it healed. Um, and eventually, my answer was not what I wanted. The answer was that God gave me improvement, and he gave me the ability to manage the pain and ma- manage chronic pain. Um, that I still have some and, and, I, and I'm able to manage it, but to still trust him and move forward in life. And I'm not sharing this today to say like, woe is me, look at me, um, but I wanted to share it because um, I think that God allows us to go through crushing times and share it with others. And to me, that crushing time was a very defining time in my life. And the things that I learned during there, you know, I, 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 in some ways I wouldn't trade. Um, and, uh, you know, others have been through much worse, but I just wanted to share my story today so that I can bring, bring hope to others, because I think that's sometimes why God allows us to go through those things. Um, and, you know, through those crushing times, of course, I found comfort, I found help, hope, and perspective in the Bible. And so I want to jump into uh, the Bible today, and I want to look at three people in the Bible that were crushed. Uh, we're going to look at three people, names that you probably know. We're going to look at, um, at Job. Uh, Jesus and the Apostle Paul. And so to start with Job, um, if you're not familiar with Job, Job's in the Old Testament, uh, in the book of, uh, books of wisdom, they kind of call it. And uh, this, in the story of Job, Job, it, the book describes a real man, but it's written in a dramatic fashion. So the history is true, but the writing, especially the dialogue, is poetical. So it's kind of like a Shakespeare play that was written about, about someone in history, but it's not meant to say exactly what was said. It's meant to represent what happened. And uh, you, can, you can read it in more detail, but the, the, basically the story opens up with this dramatic picture of the court of heaven. And it, the book actually starts up, or the book opens up with God allowing Satan to crush Job, even though Job is a righteous man. So in the court of heaven, God says, look at Job, he's righteous and he follows me. And in this picture, Satan challenges God and says, well, yeah, but will he still follow you if you take away all of his blessings? So God allows Satan to take away his riches, most of his family, and to attack his health. God only says that you must spare his life, that Satan can't touch his life. And then most of the book then shares conversations that Job has with his friends as he expresses the emotions and the grief, and they try to process why. And the book of, of Job, it holds up Job in the end as, as an example to follow. And, and as we see this example from Job, he doesn't gloss over what has happened. He's pretty brutally honest. Uh, he responds by starting, he's so brutally honest, he starts by cursing the day he was born. If we look in Job chapter three, it says this. After this, Job opened his mouth and cursed the day of his birth. He said, may the day of my birth perish, and the night that said a boy is conceived, that day may it turn to darkness. May God above not care about it. May no light shine on it. 
May gloom and utter darkness claim it once more. May a cloud settle over it. May blackness overwhelm it. Whew. It's a little dramatic, right? <laughs> but Job's being real. Job's being real about stuff. And he's asking, and, and he, he expresses really what's happening, and then he says, why? Why is this happening? And Job and his friends talk about it, and the story his friends try to help, but they aren't really the most helpful. And so Job brings it to God. And uh, he brings it to God real too. If we look in Job chapter 10, he says to God, he says, I loathe my very life. Therefore, I will give free reign to my complaint and speak out in the bitterness of my soul. I say to God, do not declare me guilty, but tell me what charge you have against me. Does it please you to oppress me, to spurn the work of your hands? While you smile on the plans of the wicked, do you have eyes of flesh? Do you see as a mortal sees? Are your days like those of a mortal or your years like those of a strong man, that you must search out my faults and probe after my sin. Though you know I am not guilty and that no one can rescue me from your hand, your hands shaped me and made me. Will you now turn and destroy me? Remember that you molded me like clay. Will you now turn me to dust again? Uh, I, can, I can resonate with some of those words. You know, have you ever felt that way? Like you're looking at God and you're like, hey, you made me, why why are you crushing me? Why are you allowing this to happen? You molded me like clay. Will you now turn me to dust again? I can resonate with those. Um, and then uh, God answers Job. He, it says he comes in a cloud and he speaks out of a cloud. God answers. And God's answer summed up is this. I am God. You are not. Thanks, God. Great answer. Uh, if we look in Job 38, it says, Then the Lord spoke to Job out of the storm. He said, Who is this that obscures my plans with words without knowledge? Brace yourself like a man. I will question you, and you shall answer me. Where were you when I laid the earth's foundation? Tell me if you understand. Who marked off its dimensions? Surely you know. Who stretched a measuring line across it? On what were its footings set? Or who laid its cornerstone? while the morning stars sang together and all the angels shouted for joy. So uh, Job, Job is a little bit dramatic. God comes with some drama too. God's got some attitude. He's like, well, excuse me, where were you when I put everything together? I, you know, I gotta tell you, I kind of, I love these chapters. There's several chapters of God's answers in here and it's, it's very interesting to read because God, I mean, he, as, as Rosemary would say, he, God popped off. He comes back, he's like, excuse me, where were you? And then, and then he kind of say, he says, oh, would you like to give this a try? In Job 40, he says, do you have an arm like God's and can your voice thunder like his? Then adore your, adorn yourself with glory and splendor and close yourself in honor and majesty. Unleash the fury of your wrath. Look at all who are proud and bring them low. Look at all who are proud and humble them. Crush the wicked where they stand. Bury them all in the dust together. Shroud their faces in the grave. Then I myself will admit to you that your own right hand can save you. Now, as a parent, I can identify with that a little bit uh, with what God's saying to him, right? Because as parents, sometimes we're like, we're, we're, we give a, a similar answer to our kids at times, right? We're like, like you, you just have moments where you're like, am I, are you the child or are you the parent? Am I the parent? Yeah, I'm the parent, so just listen, Right? Or maybe you say something like, okay, do you want to try to pay for the house and the bills and the food and everything? Like, let's see you do it and then still have money left over for the things that you want, 
Or moms have the ultimate one because moms can always say, I spent X number of hours in labor to bring you into this world, right? So just listen to me. And there's something to that perspective. Uh, Just as parents have a perspective that, that, you know, children don't have yet, so God also has perspective that we don't have. The book of Job brings up the question why, uh, but it doesn't actually answer it, at least in the way that we would expect or that we would like. Instead, it points to God's sovereignty, All of us, every human being, we wrestle with this. Um, Somewhere inside, we all know that God is in charge. God is sovereign, and we are not. We have a limited perspective, and from our perspective alone, things don't always add up, especially when we are facing suffering, when we are being crushed by life. And the book of Job doesn't give us an answer, the whole answer to all of why, but it gives us a model of how to face suffering and how to face reality. We don't have to deny it or gloss over it. We can bring it to God. And we can be real with God about how it it makes us feel and how it affects us. We can be real about how it doesn't make sense from our perspective. The answer that we get, though, may simply start with humbling ourselves under God's sovereignty. Even though it's not always the big answer that that we usually want, there's still a promise and even comfort to be found because the truth that God is sovereign and that we are not means that everything that happens passes through him first. There can be many more questions, of course, to work within this idea. This is one of the biggest questions of theologians throughout history. There have been disputes and fights and wars fought around this topic The greatest theologians have written all about it, and yet we still have questions, because we can only try to make sense from our perspective, and we may never have these answers, certainly not here on earth, Um, but we do have the promise that everything that comes our way has passed through God's sovereignty. Even the circumstances, the pressures, the, the losses, and the difficulties that crush us. And we can follow the example of Job to bring that reality to God and to tell him how hard reality is hitting us. We can say to him, Father God, did you, did you see this before it came through your sovereignty? Do you see what happens? Were you watching? Did you let this happen? Why did you let this happen? And you may not get the answer from God that you want. You probably won't get all the answers that you want. Um, but just like Job we can, we can reach out to him and we can hear our father remind us that even the crushing things, even suffering, it went through his sovereignty. And I know this is not an easy answer. Um, it's not an exciting answer. Uh, it's more like a wrestling match that's between each of us and our creator. And I think that we can see this theme, this wrestling between God and between mankind Throughout the Bible, we continue to see it in the Old Testament and throughout the Psalms, the Proverbs, and even the prophets. And in Ecclesiastes, it it says many things like this, but in Ecclesiastes chapter 8, verse 16, it says, When I applied my mind to know wisdom and to observe the labor that is done on earth, people getting no sleep day or night, then I saw all that God has done, or all that God has allowed to happen in his sovereignty. No one can comprehend what goes on under the sun. 
Despite all their efforts to search it out, no one can get, discover its meaning. Even if the wise claim they know, they cannot really comprehend it. And we see this throughout the Old Testament. And if, if you follow God's people through the Old Testament, um, we see that they have some victories, they have some hope, but there's also a lot of suffering. There's a hope that they're given in, in, through, the, through the prophets for, uh, for Jesus, the Messiah that would come. And when Jesus came, many hoped that he would save them from the crushing rule of the Romans. But instead, Jesus himself came to be crushed. In fact, the Bible says this was not only allowed through God's sovereignty, but it was purposely planned ahead of time, thousands of years ahead of time. In Isaiah 53, it says, yet it was the Lord's will to crush him and to cause him to suffer. So it wasn't just God allowed it to happen. It, it was God's will to bring Jesus to crush him. And for generations, God promised his people that there was a plan that he was working on. And that, and that was their hope in, in facing the difference between reality that we would like to see and how, and how it is and how we get crushed. That was a hope. And, and, but up above our perspective, above up in God's sovereignty where we couldn't see, there was something else that he was working on. And even the wisest human beings couldn't see that this plan would look different than, than we could imagine. See, Job wrestled with God not only because, because of what happened to him, but what seemed like the injustice of it, because he was a righteous man. And if God's sovereignty doesn't even seem to be just, then how can we trust that he is good? Generations later, it turned out that God's plan, his purposeful will, is to crush a truly righteous man, more righteous than Job. Jesus, being perfectly righteous, would be crushed even beyond what was allowed to happen to Job because God said to Satan, you can touch everything, but you can't take his life. So this is not the progression of that, that mankind that we were really hoping for from our perspective, but in many ways, Jesus finally answers some, of the, some more of the questions that are brought up in the story of Job, only once again, not in the way that we are looking for them to be answered. Through Jesus' perfect life, death, and resurrection, God shows mankind that not only is he in control in his sovereignty, but has been working above and throughout history to show his goodness. And in Isaiah 53, it says, Surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering. Yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him, and by his wounds we are healed. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to our own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. So through God's justice, we all deserve to be crushed, but Jesus was crushed in our place. Through the undeserving crushing of the perfect Son of God, we can have full access to God's goodness. Now, let me say that again, because this is a hard kind of thing, that through God's justice, we all deserve to be crushed. And I'm not saying that, like, what suffering we have, we specifically deserve that, like, there's something we did, and then we're getting punished later. I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is that we deserve to be crushed because we deserve to be taken away from our creator, which is 
greater than all the suffering that we face on this earth. We just, it's hard for us to understand and to see that. But through, through Jesus, he was crushed in our place so that we can have full access to God's goodness. Jesus is an answer to Job, but from God's eternal perspective. It took generations for God to bring this answer. And as I've been writing this, I think it's really amazing to see the parallels between Job and Jesus. Like when I went to write this message, I kind of had the idea to go through three people, but it just became even more aware to me. I think it was the Holy Spirit just kind of pointing it out to me of, of how much of a parallel there is between Job and Jesus. It's from an earthly perspective, under the sun, in our perspective, it can make sense to question God. Why do we face random suffering? We look for at least some sense of order and justice to what we see. And it would make sense that at least suffering would have some connection to what we deserve. That's, that's what Job is wrestling with. And therefore, that a truly righteous person like Job doesn't deserve to suffer. And, you know, Job didn't only think himself righteous. That's, that's a part of what Job and his friends kind of argue about. Um, but God says he was righteous, in the court of heaven, God says he's a righteous man. Um, but Job's level of righteousness, even when God calls him righteous, is still in compared to humankind. And in God's eternal perspective, our righteousness is like filthy rags because we've all sinned against God, even, even Job's righteousness. And because of our sin, again, we deserve to be eternally cut off from our creator. The greatest suffering that we could face in this life is still temporary compared to the eternal suffering that we deserve. And which is not to belittle the suffering that we have in this life and on this earth, because the Bible is very real about that. And, you know, that God cares greatly for our suffering. He cares greatly for every single person and their suffering on this earth. He does not just cast it away and say, oh, it's just temporary. He cares. But God's perspective is eternal and so much bigger than ours and bigger than we can see. And I think we can hear Jesus say this um, in, in, the, in the book of John, uh, John 16. This is just before Jesus goes to the cross. And he says, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Um, Pastor Nick referenced this uh, verse uh, earlier this month in the series and I thought it was funny and relatable what he said that he said this is not his favorite verse in the Bible he doesn't really like it and I think we can all relate to that um, we don't want to hear Jesus tell us we're going to have trouble like we kind of already know but we don't want to be reminded like Jesus we want you to save us from our troubles that's not what we want to hear from Jesus but if we really hear Jesus here he's reminding us of the father's perspective and why Jesus would suffer in our place, why he was about to suffer in our place. See, mankind wanted a Messiah to come and save us from earthly suffering, but Jesus came to save us from eternal suffering. And not only gaining that eternal reward, but restoring to us now, here in this life, full access to a right relationship with God. Full access to God's goodness, to his grace in a way that mankind couldn't access on our own. Before Jesus, it wasn't just the eternal that we were facing, but it was even right now. We couldn't access God's goodness, but through Jesus, we can. 
And I think there's a comfort to hear Jesus say that he knows we will still face suffering. Jesus is familiar with the suffering that we face on earth because he, he didn't have to. He was in heaven. He didn't have to face the suffering, random suffering on this earth. But he humbled himself and he brought us down into it so that he could be crushed in our place, but also so that he could overcome in our place. Because we're, we're all under God's sovereignty, everyone. Whether we follow Jesus or not, everyone is under God's sovereignty. But it's only through Jesus that we have full access to his goodness, both in eternity and now. And with God's goodness comes his promises, many of which we read further in the New Testament by another man who was crushed, the Apostle Paul. We've talked about the Apostle Paul several times in this message series um, because it's such a powerful story and because there's so many uh, amazing things that he wrote while he was facing suffering. And uh, it's interesting to look at the Apostle Paul as his story starts. It says from the beginning he's gonna suffer. Um, we, if we look in the book of Acts, um, which if, if, by the way, if you want to read just an amazing story and everything about Paul, read through the book, book of Acts. Um, but in the book of Acts, whenever uh, Jesus first appears to Paul, and it says that he, he came to him in a bright light, and there was like damage to his eyes, and so God sends someone to go and to, to help him, to heal him, and to start training him in the way. And uh, this man's named Ananias, and in Acts, Chapter 9, uh, it says that the Lord said to Ananias, Go, this man is my chosen instrument to proclaim my name to the Gentiles and their kings and to the people of Israel. And it says, I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. Now, I think it's interesting here because God, God would ultimately use Paul to do like really amazing things. I mean, we're all reading his writings now. He wrote a majority of what would become the New Testament, and Paul's impact and legacy would grow to impact the whole world for centuries to come. But at the beginning of Paul's conversation, God didn't just say like, hey, everything's going to be great. You're going to write these books, and everybody's going to read them. You're going to be an author. You're going to be a writer in the best-selling book of all time. Come on. But he said you would suffer, that Paul would be crushed and, and, and it was, but it was through Paul's suffering and through his crushing that we have so many promises. And we have these words in Romans 8. It says, and we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him who have been called according to his purpose. And we, we've talked about this verse in, in this series as well. And, and I think it's just such an amazing verse. And you notice that it says it doesn't say things that we sometimes hear in this life. We, it doesn't say all things are good. It doesn't even say all things will work out for good. It, it, it's conditional. This promise is conditional. That there's a comma after it says, in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. And we get this, um, this promise through another man who once again was, was crushed, that God actually called to be crushed. In Romans, Paul, as he's writing this, he kind of brings more answers from Job because, again, we're all under God's sovereignty. Whether we, if we follow Jesus or not, we're under God's sovereignty. But it's through Jesus that we have full access 
to his goodness. And in these promises, we see sovereignty and goodness working together. We've said, based on this, this verse in Romans 8, we've said it this way, that God has a plan, and that plan is tied to his purpose for your life. And I'd like to add, inside of God's purpose and plan, he's working all things for your good. Can you say all things? Sometimes I have to tell myself that, remind myself. Sometimes I just say all things. Even the things that I can't see, how God is going to work. And the thing is, I think why these promises are so powerful is because Paul wrote these not in a place of just like happiness and he had everything he wanted and he has riches and his life is great. We know that Paul wrote these promises from a life, not of comfort, not of ease, but once he started following Jesus, Paul lost all the status and the power that he previously held. In Paul's letter to the Corinthian church, if you read it, he, he lists what he suffered. He says that he's been in prison, he's been beaten, he's been stoned, he's been shipwrecked and left at sea. He faced hunger, thirst, cold, and nakedness. And eventually he would be martyred. Most likely he was beheaded. But yet Paul's the one who says, in all things, from that perspective, God is working for our good. I think that Paul teaches us to face the reality of suffering with faith and hope in the end, just like what we talked about at the beginning of the, this Admiral Stockdale and his paradox, to confront the brutal reality of today and retain unwavering faith that you will prevail in the end. Paul writes also in Romans 8, Romans 8.35, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. So today, what I want to leave you with is that even when crushing reality happens within God's sovereignty, that God's goodness is still around you. Within his plan, his purpose, and his promise for your life. So just like the Stockdale says, we, need, we can face the reality of today by bringing it to God and bringing it under his sovereignty. But we have unwavering faith to prevail because we have the promise of this through Jesus who already prevailed, which is so good because it's not like my faith that I can make through it, make it through it, but it's my faith that Jesus has already prevailed in my place. And I believe that all these promises will work out in heaven. We may not see them all right now, but they are for today and for tomorrow and this life in which followers of Jesus will prevail. We feel the crushing forces but God's goodness is still in between and around. And today we're gonna have a, a moment to worship. The band's gonna, gonna lead us a little bit in worship. And during this time, I think there's, we could apply, I think everyone's probably close to one of the three places that we see these examples in scripture. Today, 
You might need to apply the example of Job. You might need to tell God the reality of what you're going through. And that's okay to do. Like if you, need, if you feel like you need to yell at God and you're angry at him, he can handle it. And he wants you to bring it to him like Job did. And you can find comfort in his sovereignty. We look at Jesus and, and I wanna tell you that he was crushed for you, but full goodness, full access to God's goodness is only through Jesus. Maybe today you know you're un, under God's sovereignty, but you need to put your life under Jesus who was crushed in your place. These promises of God working for good are only through Jesus. And, and, and to have access to that today, you might need to, to repent of your sins and, and surrender your life to the lordship of Jesus. Or maybe like the example of Paul, you need to apply God's promises in your life for, for crushing times that you're going through now, maybe from stuff you went in the past, maybe what you're gonna face in the future. I know I really had to learn this whenever I was going through the, the, the you know, health issues and everything. I had to learn because I had heard it in church. I grew up in church. But I had to learn to really, in my mind, to take my thoughts captive and to apply God's promises, these promises, that even what I was going through, he was working through my good, for my good. And so today, as we're worshiping, um, you might need to do different things. You might need to kneel where you are. You might need to come up here to the altar you're welcome to and pray and bring this to God, because I think this is kind of a vertical thing where we're bringing this to him. As we're worshiping, you might want to stand, you might need to kneel, you can do whatever posture is good for you. You might need to stand and declare God's promises. And as we're worshiping, if you're someone that today, you're like, yeah, I need to surrender my life to Jesus. All you have to do is pray and repent of your sins and humble your life under, under him, believe in him as your Lord and Savior. And today, if, if you need somebody to pray with you about that, I'm gonna be uh, right over here to the left. You can come and pray with, with me. Or, uh, or, or if you wanna connect with someone, you can go to our Connection Center after service. If you're new to Jesus and you wanna know more about that, you can also go to connect.calvaryirwin.com online. And we have a little uh, button there you can click new to Jesus. And, and we wanna point you to Jesus, help you in your relationship with him. And so today, just whatever you need to do, whatever place you are as we worship, go ahead and, and bring it to God and remember his promises for your life because through Jesus, we're not just under God's sovereignty and what happens, but we have access to his goodness and to his promises today. This is Pastor Nick Pohl, the lead pastor at Calvary. We're so glad you joined us for today's podcast. I hope you enjoyed the message. At Calvary Church, we're passionate about leading people into an overflowing life with Jesus. We would love the opportunity to connect with you on your faith journey and hear what God is doing in your life or join you in prayer for any needs you might have. You can visit us online at calvaryirwin.com or send us an email at info at calvaryirwin.com. On our website, you'll find previous week's messages, a list of upcoming events, as well as resources designed to help you take those next steps on your journey of faith. See you next week, and may the Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace.